Open Field Radio. Like, subscribe, share, and review wherever podcasts are found. If I had to describe this, I'd say it's cool people having conversations about agriculture and life. Because ag and life live side by side and sometimes overlap. I'm your host, Mark Flint, and this is Open Field Radio. Brought to you by Gowan Company. Mary Tangan, Vice President of Agriculture Strategic Initiatives at DTN. Farmers and ag tech, predicting the weather, the wind, the rain. Farmers and no internet, generation gaps, and ag technology. We talk it all right now. What's the value of digital information to both the farmer and agribusiness in 2021? So, so when I think of digital information, I think of, you know, processes that are digitized. Okay. Um, but then also the information and insights that they need. So, you know, there is this uh, pandemic that's happening. But agriculture, we were, um, you know, an essential business. You know, we still had to, last about a year ago from now, we still had to plant and put the crop in the ground. Um, but the relationship between the farmer and the agribusiness did change and moved even probably more quickly to, you know, digital. In the past, you know, a lot of my agribusiness customers have, how do you say, agriculture is a very uh, handshake, in-person relationship. Everyone wants to do business with someone you know and trust. Um, but over the past probably five years, I think it's moved to, we kind of call it the omni-channel approach where, hey, you can still have those personal relationships, but let's help on the digital side too. So it's like a multi-pronged um, relationship. But then with the pandemic, obviously, it it, it uh, escalated or accelerated even more to more digital. Is that a hard transition from the handshake to the digital? And I think it depends on um, what aspect, right? So, so if you think about if, if it's a new product or brand awareness, you know, it may be best to do that in person or you got to be really creative. You know, a lot of the large seed and chem manufacturers have to be really creative on how to get their awareness of their new products or herbicides or chemicals. If you think about, uh, you know, I'm a farmer and I need to sell my grain. That relationship is has been digitized um, for the past 10 to 15 years, but it just increased the ability to um, sell even more grain, for example, online. And, and with that, some of the ways that that got accelerated even more was how much volatility is in the market. Um, farmers have limited time to really create an opportunity to sell their grain. So, so I think the digital needs, like for 21, it is more into um, a more holistic experience around digital, on demand. Everything's on the phone now. Farmers aren't sitting in front of their desk all the time, right? They're out and about. <laughs> They're busy. So it's got to go with them, right? So Did she really just say a holistic approach to digital? Wait a minute. I can't even put those two words in the same sentence. But let's look at it. So according to Webster's, the definition of holistic is relating to or concerned with the whole or with the complete system rather than with the analysis of, treatment of, or dissection into parts. Okay, with that, couple that with the digital, makes a little more sense. I like it. Break down where the farmer is concerned, what, what digital information are they looking for or do they need? So when I refer to farmers, so I think of like my own farming operation or the majority of our customer base, which just to be clear, the large row crop, corn, soybeans. I mean, we do have some specialty crop people, but majority is row crops, large crops, and uh, 
livestock. So a lot of their decisions, I mean, if you think about the production decisions a farmer makes around growing corn and soybeans, it's 90%, maybe 90 some percent of them are affected by weather. And how weather, I mean, some people say climate change, other people say climate volatility, but it's like, you know, the precipitation, the rainstorms are becoming more volatile, I guess I can say, the variability in precip. So when it's, when there's a small window to plant your corn, you got to get it in, Mm -hmm. or she might be mudded out for next two weeks. Just knowing all the, you know, what's, what's the weather, what's the weather forecast right currently, what's it going to be in a couple of days? Um, when's the window a week from now? Um, that's something a farmer needs <laughs> for sure around weather. That's the first place my head went with digital information. I thought weather, weather, there it is. You know, like when I could get my head around and go, okay, weather. We've been delivering weather to farmers for years, right? Um, I mean, we are the largest commercial weather company, which a lot of people don't know, right? We work in different markets. We we work in aviation, shipping, logistics, but but the same weather that we help with utilities, like large grid decisions. Um, we also uh, leverage that weather for farmers and agribusinesses. So we've been delivering that data to them. And sometimes we almost had to make the farmer do the work by, let's say if they wanted to go spray, they had to go on one screen and see what the weather or the wind forecast is going to be. When's it going to rain? Um, you know, just putting those different factors together. And then over the years, we've tried to make it more of a decision tool for them. So we created this, uh, this is a funny story. <laughs> we created a precip timer. So it will down to the latitude and longitude. It'll tell you when it's going to start and stop raining. But how that came about was um, we were working with one of the large railroads and they needed to know if a, a gust of wind was going to come across the track while the train's moving at so many you know miles per hour, what direction, and how soon would they have to slow down the train before the gust of wind came so the train would just lay over instead of completely derail. So it sounds like that old uh, fifth grade uh, <laughs> math that's a, problem, That's right? a word problem for my, <laughs> yeah, exactly, my fifth grade math teacher. We created this tool that would then alert them when a gust of wind was coming up. So they'd start slowing down the train. And those those same um, factors that went into it, like the they call it the steering winds. I mean, I'm not a meteorologist, but it's all these different things. And then we're like, wow, that could help a farmer um, when it would start raining on their field, right? So we start, so it's a red, yellow, green. Is it going to rain within your three-hour rain fast window? Then we've kind of taken it a step further and went, okay, when it rains, um, it matters where the rain goes. So if you if you have certain type of soils, uh, you know, the soil might be really, really dry, so it absorbs it all, or it may be um, certain soil that turns into even clay gumbo. You know, it's, a, it's like, where does the rain go once it comes? So we created some field accessibility models that leverages kind of below the ground, the land surface modeling. So the farmer clearly does have, based on the forecast, red, yellow, green, um, is a good time to go in and disc the field or plant the field or kind of how does it? So we're trying to do more of that, put all those factors together for them to help them make those decisions with kind of like another objective view. So um, so it's kind of fascinating now that I talk about it. <laughs> no, it's super cool. What's the forecast window? How far can they look? Our standard is 14 days out, but, and then it goes, we I think we go hourly. We go hourly three days. Sometimes we go within different other um, 
segments. You know, we may go longer day by day forecast out longer or less. All depends about the amount of accuracy to deliver. But we do give views like, okay, you know, it's like almost like a calendar view, right? So mm-hmm. you're today, but you know, next week, you know, it's going to rain the end of this weekend. Will it dry up in three days so that I can get back out there? Right. So we try to create, you know, the two weeks out for them. But it works the other way too, correct? Like in the moment weather right now, it's doing this. And I mean, not just like, let's look out the window and see if it's yeah. raining. You can give more information than that as well. For, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So in the Midwest, a lot of the um, weather stations, like from the National Weather Service is at airports. So like I'm 30 miles away from one small, small airport and 45 miles the other direction to a little larger one. There's nothing in between. So what we did was we started to think about how can we improve the accuracy for those farmers so they have a more, you know, it's like here's what's happened real time, but then also what's coming um, in that shorter window. So we we actually forecast down to um, the weather station hardware, too. So like in my farm, we have like three weather stations set up, and then we actually forecast down. So I'm getting a true forecast for my field then compared to, you know, an hour away. It's amazing value to the farmer. It, it, it is. And I think, and especially when you, there's more and more uh, regulation coming and like a livestock producer, they need to um, document, you know, if, if they may be susceptible to runoff or, you know, certain um, conservation programs they're in or environmental programs. So they need to document and it helps make better decisions because as you know, farmers, we make our money off the land. So we do our best to make sure we're doing the best for it, you know, the best stewards. You're listening to Open Field Radio. I don't know about you, but it seems like everywhere I turn right now, there's something about jobs and the abundance of jobs available out there. Well, here's one to throw in the mix. Skip the job. How about a career at Gowan? Maybe you're in agriculture. Maybe you're in science. Maybe you're none of that. Check it out at gowanco.com slash careers. Great opportunities available, and they're all cool. Careers right here in America and around the world. Come see it for yourself. That's gowanco.com slash careers. And tell them you heard it on Open Field Radio. I want to hear from you. Yep, and not just an email. Though emails are cool, and of course this will involve an email too, but it'll be a cool email. Because here's what I need you to do. Grab your phone, find the voice app. You know the little memo app in your phone that nobody uses for much of anything? We're going to use it. I want you to give me your name, where you're from, what you do, and that you listen to Open Field Radio. So it would go like this. I'm Mark, Yuma, Arizona, host of Open Field Radio, and I listen to Open Field Radio. Got it? Just Fill in the blanks with your information. Shoot it off to me in an email, info at openfieldradio.com. I just might use it on the air. And if I do, I'll send you something cool. How's that? Because that's what friends do at Open Field Radio. My name is James Little. I'm right outside Idlew, Texas. And I'm listening to Open Field Radio. Just a quick shout out to some places that we know they're listening to Open Field Radio. Big hello to Columbus, Ohio, Lakeville, Minnesota, Trumansburg, New York, Papillon, Nebraska, El Centro, California, and Zurich, Switzerland. From the Gowan Global Studio deep inside the Lee Hotel, this is Open Field Radio. Farmers are feeding the world, dodging weather problems, market fluctuations, and having to make great operation decisions. This is what you help them with, correct? You know what? Yes. And that's why, um, that's why I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited what I do. I, um, I, uh, my passion is to, uh, help farmers, uh, make it a little bit easier on them or more profitable, you know? So yeah, so that's what we do with them. So if you think about the weather piece and then, 
you know, there's so much new technology around, uh, you know, kind of more the agronomy, the production area, you know, the drones, uh, you know, there's so much stuff out there, but, um, and it's really, it's really cool and really, you know, it's new technology, you know, I'm not going to say toy because a lot of it's useful, but it's just like, there's all this new, really cool stuff. Sure. Um, but there isn't a lot of focus around, well, how is the farmer going to make money to pay for that, you know, around the grain marketing side? Because it's been proven that farmers would rather, you know, do the production activities, uh, you know, driving the tractor, do the do the work instead of, you know, marketing their grain or doing the risk management yeah. plan. They're, so, far, they're farmers. That's what they do. Yeah. <laughs> they wear a lot of hats, don't they? Right. <laughs> exactly. but, but, but in agriculture itself, that's a pretty broad spectrum right there. So in there... We've got the mm-hmm. farmer who wants to be there with the hands-on, and at the same time, you can be in agriculture and be in the technology side or the data side, which is you guys, and still mm-hmm. still be mm-hmm. equally as important in the big picture of quote-unquote farming. Yep. You know, we help on the weather side, which impacts a lot of the production decisions, but then we also help them around, like when you asked what other information a farmer needs, we... We have an agriculture newsroom. There isn't many of them. Um, we're the largest where we have reporters dedicated on, you know, farm policy, um, the, the EPA programs. We have dedicated people who are covering um, breaking news that will impact the farmer's bottom line. Agriculture, like every other industry, has its own news, right? And that's nothing new. Ag news has been out there in radio and publications forever and ever and ever. And it will still be out there because that's what helps things go around. And DTN, they're not new to it. No way. Check it out. So DTN got it started about 35 years ago. And what they did was they realized that farmers did not have access to news, weather, and futures like market data on the farm because it was before the internet and they needed that connection. So, so, this, so DTN started with a one-way broadcast via satellite down to a terminal. It's a 486 hard drive computer. <laughs> And um, we still have, you know, tens of thousands of them out in this area where, um, you know, 25% of farmers now do not have good high-speed internet or have, actually have no internet connection or broadband connection. And then like 50 or 60% are not reliable. So what our service, how we started was a way to get that, that information to them via satellite. And then we've evolved over time. So we have, um, you know, internet-fed products. You know, we have apps, native apps now, but it's it's pretty um, interesting that that satellite idea from 35 years ago is still um, delivering on a pain point a lot of farmers have. So this is not the first time we've heard about this. Farmers with weak or no internet access. Open Field Radio Season 1, Episode 19 with Kenny Barnwell, the Appalachian Apple episode. He talked about it. He said he had to go sit in his truck and then go drive his truck to the top of the hill to get the best internet access in his area there in the Carolinas. Mary talks more about this. You said 25% of farmers don't have reliable internet. Is that today? Yeah, that's today. So that was just, um, we, we were looking at, um, USDA came out with a study last year. And um, yeah, and then they even have a map that shows, and I was surprised it was that high too, but I mean, even in my um, Northwest Iowa where I'm at, you know, it's not the best, but yeah, 25% of the farmers do not have access. And then we did another survey 
um, I don't know, if, I think we sent out to a couple of thousand random farmers and it came back like 50 to 60% did not have reliable band, broadband and they had to use their hotspot from their cell signal. From their phone? Mm-hmm. Isn't that wild? Because I mean, I think most of us think that uh, internet is everywhere and therefore, you know, what the heck? That is, <laughs> exactly, cra- that exactly. is crazy. But it's the same satellite technology, right? That's driving GPS or driving anything else. So you would think that if they have that, then obviously your 35-year-old satellite technology, so to speak, is right there in the mix still and still very viable. It is. So it's still being used. It's a it's a one-way, whereas some of the GPS is, you know, they're two-way. Um, but yeah, it's in the same. There's 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 more satellites than you think of the constellations <laughs> up there that are doing all these different services. But I mean, some of my uh, agribusiness customers, they, you know, they have, you know, they're they're like a billion dollar um, agriculture cooperatives, but they have internet access, um, high speed, but they still have a satellite fed quote system as their backup, as their, you know, um, EOC or their DR, or just so they, they always have access to the market quote. So their business continues. So, and you never stop to think that that's where we're at right now, but it takes you back to the days, to the days of the, uh, what we would say now it's not old because it's still valid, but that, terrestrial ag radio that was always there on some low AM band somewhere, but you could always find it. And actually, I think they started, I'm talking a little in my skis, but uh, DTN started with an F- FM band or F band radio. I don't know. There's, it's, yeah, I totally hear you. <laughs> and, it feel, and it feels like that was ancient history, but in actuality, even where I'm here, there used to be the agro radio network that was here. And at AM, there you go. And you could find it and always hear the commodities and always hear the weather and always hear what was going on. So you do what you had to do. That's amazing. That is absolutely amazing. Yeah, that's what now the new vehicles come with, the Sirius XM, and just seeing the, the having a roll channel on there is kind of a good feeling. You're like, okay, I can still listen to the market no matter where I'm at, right? So. <laughs> and not feel totally lost. Right. Well, while we're here talking about DTN, give me the elevator pitch, if you will. For DTN, what does DTN do? It's a global company. It's a global information and data company. Give me the pitch. Oh, goodness. Um, <laughs> it's, um, what we do is we are the provider for trusted insights. Um, we're independent. And we deliver, um, we use operational intelligence as the word we use um, to different supply chains around the world. So what does that mean? It's really any insight or intelligence that you need to make decisions um, in the many, um, you know, with all the participants around the supply chain. And some of that could be, you know, like we talked through weather and um, better decisions around when to plan or however, it could be those needs. It could be um, because, I mean, there's cost related if you can't get your corn in or if you spray and then it rains. It could be around um, removing friction from workflows around the supply chain. So helping farmers market their grain and sell it online to agribusinesses. But we look across the supply chain, meaning that all the participants, how can we um, deliver the intelligence they need, the insights they need. And we do that across um, agriculture and weather sensitive business. Like like I mentioned earlier, aviation, we forecast uh, turbulence for all the major airlines um, and the medevac helicopters. So if you think about a helicopter landing around an accident or usually the, the weather isn't the best sometimes, we, we reroute them into um, 
a less bumpy ride or turbulent ride. Utilities, we help them with load forecasts up to you know a year in advance just to help them with their grid management. It's pretty fascinating all the pieces we do. Help with the shipping, um, so the large barge traffic doesn't have to sit stalled waiting for a storm because I guess there's problems with pirates. I don't know, it's fascinating <laughs> to hear uh, what goes on in the shipping industry. Yeah, <laughs> kind of fun. Wow. It's a little bit different than here. So we, you know, weather and then another one is refined fuels or energy. So if you look at North America or the U.S., from the fuel that's created at a terminal, from the pipeline in the terminal where the fuel is actually created and then downstream through the job or wholesaler supplier, all the way to where like you and I get our fuel at the local sea store, mm-hmm. 80 to 85% of all of that um, allocations, inventory pricing um, goes through GTN systems. So we're the connected hub of the energy supply chain. It's pretty cool to um, see there's a lot a lot of large suppliers that you and I would probably go to get our fuel who do not take fuel from people who are not posting in our system because we just make it easier for them to do business. And you're a trusted source. Yeah, I trust it. And that's the big thing, the independent. Um, our loyalty, whenever we talk to our customers or do surveys and kind of keep it in check with what people are saying, we know our trust value and farmers trust us. Um, our loyalty is high or their loyalty is high to us. And I think it's all because we've remained independent. So, I mean, the go-to-market, right? There's a lot of manufacturers of the chemical equipment. They're trying to add premium or premium services to their products. Or here's a software service, but you know they're trying to sell you seed or chemical or tractors in the background. And in here, we've always stayed independent. We're like, we're not pushing anything. We do not have any position in the market. You get, you know, we are focused on insights, decision support tools. And that's it. We're independent. And I think that's us kind of making sure that was our guiding principle 30-some years ago and kept to it. It, it. It's helped us a lot, I believe, looking back around, you know, weather decisions, marketing decisions, news, a trusted source. Yeah, so we're one of the few, I guess you can say, we're, we're independent. We believe we have a really, really good relationship with our customers, but we also know, I mean, this is what's pretty cool. If you think about a farmer... They have over, and we've done surveys around this, and this is probably a smaller number than actual, 12 to 18 different partnerships, agribusiness partnerships that they are partners they work with throughout the growing season. So you think about all these people, they're managing in these relationships. And if they buy this, does it impact this other decision? You know, it's like a domino effect, right? Sure. So I think that's why the the trusted, uh, you know, that that person to help guide them or be able to look someone in the eye and just say, okay, what does this mean for me? I think that's why it probably matters so much for farmers. There's just so many different balls that they have up in the air. Oh, totally. And and so many variables that they have no control over at the same time. So we've noticed that um, how can we help even more? So when a farmer then goes to an agribusiness, when we talked about that, that digital channel, we also help our agribusinesses with their engagement with the farmers, engagement that leads to commerce, communication. So we're helping facilitate their relationship with their customers, with the farmers, which will, you know, that leads to more engagement and hopefully succeeds, you know, into their profitability goals too. Coast to coast and around the world. You're listening to Open Field Radio. 
If you haven't heard it, it's new to you, right? Gowan USA has a broad selection of herbicides, fungicides, and insecticides to deliver customized solutions for your crops. Gowan provides the right programs to fit your unique needs, standing behind our products with expert service and support. And Gowan USA is family-owned and operated right here in the United States of America for over 55 years. That's a long time. Check it out for yourself at GowanCo.com. And now you know. Cool people having conversations about agriculture and life. Open Field Radio. This is Marshall Tremble, Scottsdale, Arizona. You must be the Marshall. Arizona's official state historian. Season 1, Episode 5, and you're listening to Open Field Radio. And now back to Open Field Radio with our guest, Vice President of Agriculture Strategic Initiatives at DTN, Mary Tangan. With new technologies like this, is there a, for lack of a better word, is there a generation gap in here at all where you have a newer, younger generation going, yep, this is how this goes, and an older generation is going, but we've always done it like this? Yes, so I can see that, but farmers hardly retire, right? So That's they're like, point. by the time the son uh, takes, the son or daughter, takes over all the decisions, he or she could already be 50-something, right? A lot of, a lot of the 50-year-olds... Yeah, you're right. Are finally taking over. Um, but I also think that older generation are actually using more technology than, you know, kind of maybe the perception out there. Um, we've done studies where um, there really wasn't a difference between or the use of, you know, mobile or um, selling or buying stuff online in, in agriculture commodities or use of. There wasn't a big difference between that. 35-year-old farmer and a 65-year-old farmer. Of course, it was higher um, adoption with the 30-year-olds, but it wasn't as big of a difference as everyone was expecting. Um, and like even my dad, I mean, my dad has bought uh, cattle on the internet for probably going on 10 years now, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. he still yells that the mouse doesn't work right because his <laughs> hands are big, but still... It's, That's it's like he had to find another way to get cattle. So. Call it shameless self-promotion. I don't know. But in Open Field Radio Season 1, Episode 13 with Don Ed Holmes, the Onion King of Texas, we talk about this very thing, the generation gap between uh, the farming generations. And it's interesting because in some ways it's true, in other ways maybe not so true. Farming uh, continues to evolve, and I think everybody in it evolves with it to a degree, but it makes interesting conversation nonetheless. And technology, you know what? It's not slowing down. What's your favorite thing about what you do? Uh, working with uh, people in agriculture. I uh, <laughs> like as a passion for egg. Um, I, I think everyone who works in agriculture truly works in it. We're pretty down-to-earth, wholesome people, and I just I keep thinking of how many problems are out there that needs to be solved or maybe problems they don't realize there's a better way to do it. Um, and like this, this kind of shows, but when I was an intern, when I was in college, a summer internship, my dad goes to me, he goes, Mary, what's it like to have a paycheck every two weeks? Wow. And here my dad had been farming for, I mean, let's see, I've been, I mean, 20 some, 30 some years, never had a steady paycheck. And I mean, it really puts it in, you know, I just get chills when I think of that. I'm like, you know what? It's, it's much harder. Even, there's so much going on for a farmer. So how can we make it better? And I also think um, everyone's just so willing to help. Like when we have, you know, when we add new people to our team and they're kind of nervous about talking to farmers or 
agribusinesses, I'm like, just go, just just tell them you don't know. Just let them. They're gonna let. They're gonna explain it to you. Just you know, they're ask open questions. And, they're gonna love every minute. <laughs> exactly. Of it. Let's talk about your path to technology. Where we're at now. Your passion is agriculture. Yeah. So, um, grew up on a farm. Still actively farm. I actually still have some of my um, part of my foundational cow herd. I started when I was nine. But I always uh, went into more technology um, parts of agriculture, you know, precision ag. I used to, um, when I was probably right out of college or my undergrad, I, uh, I would task uh, spot satellites for a large um, project I was working on for Cargill at the time. And I'd have this agronomist from Ontario call me and say, Mary, the sky is blue today. Send the satellite over. And I'm like, Oscar, it's not that easy. But anyway, so I, I always work in um, technology. Um, my uh, my farm, my uh, my parents are true uh, 50-50 partners. Mom started a furrow-to-finish pig operation. And uh, dad then would take the money she'd make and go spend uh, money on cattle that sometimes were not good cattle. But uh, so we give them a hard time. So um <laughs> And then my two brothers are actually, they've been back full-time farming. So it's supporting my, both my brother's families. Um, Mom and dad are still out in the grain cart combining, but we're trying to get them to slow down more. And then it helps support my family too. So, Well, if people are curious or want to know more about you and DTN and what you do and what you offer, how do they find you? Oh, yeah. Um, so uh, DTN.com, DTN.com. Probably my email, uh, Mary. M-A-R-Y dot Tangen, T-I-N-G-E-N at DCN.com. Yeah, it'd be great. If there's any questions or anyone wants to tell me what I'm, what else I need to fix, I'd love to hear it. You've been listening to Open Field Radio from Gowan Company. Like, share, subscribe, review. Everywhere podcasts are found. The views and opinions expressed by the guests of Open Field Radio are theirs and do not necessarily reflect those of the program. All rights reserved, no duplication or redistribution without permission. 